This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I welcome all of you. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up real high? We're going to jump into the Word of God today. And again, I don't do you no favor by standing up here and just yakking for 30, 40 minutes. I'm going to get the, the Word of God in your life. And we're starting a new year, and so the Lord had put this on my heart. Once you get a Bible, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And so, a new year is always a fresh start. And, you know, many times people will say, man, last year was good or last year was horrible. I can't wait for a new year. But I believe also that oftentimes the way you begin a, a new year, it sets the tone for your entire year. And that's one of the reasons that we're challenging everyone to not only fast, but to fast and to pray. And whether that's a day, three days, just whatever you can do, because it, it changes you inwardly. It does something on the inside of you, and, and really I believe you draw a lot closer to God when you do that. And so, I know every one of us have New Year's resolutions. Uh, it's good to have physical New Year's resolutions, whether that's exercise. I had a guy tell me his New Year's resolution was to read at least one book a month this year. But also I encourage you to set spiritual goals. And, and the word resolution itself, listen to what this means. It means a determination, a fixed intention, or to even be steadfast. And so I, I believe the Lord would love it if we let that just get in our hearts to say, you know what, I'm going to live 2017 with a determination for the things of God. I'm going to live with a fixed intention. And just watch what God will do now. As we, we go here today, I, I got really four major passages of Scripture. I believe each one we go to will apply, maybe to every one of us or just a few. But just let the Word of God touch your heart here today. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Everyone runs and everyone competes, but just one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Run in such a way that you may win, that you make it yours. Now, when you look at this, this will require purpose. It will require discipline, uh, stamina, just to stick with stuff. And I believe that it's the difference in progressing spiritually and even throughout the year when you purpose in your heart. You know what? If I'm in a race, and we are in a race... I'm going to run it to the best of my ability. Verse 25. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. And the word temperate there, it, it literally means discipline. To live discipline, to be disciplined. He goes on to say at the end of verse 25. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we form imperishable crown. Now when we get to 26 and 27... Note how many times Apostle Paul uses the word I here. Therefore, I run thus not with uncertainty. I run without definite aim. I run thus as I fight, not as one who beats the air. In other words, there's an adversary. There's an opponent you're going to fight. It's not an imaginary deal. It's really there before you. But I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Interesting thoughts right there that he said, 
I discipline my body. So you know what that tells me? If I don't discipline my body, it has the ability to get out of subjection. And when we learn to not only run the race, but when we learn to discipline our bodies and bring it into subjection and we choose with our heart to say, you know what? I'm going to live a disciplined life in 2017. I believe God sends His grace toward us. And a great definition of grace is God's ability. So what God wants to do is He wants to put His ability within each one of us. How many of you have ever started the year and you had these great goals and these great ambitions and it seemed like it lasted a week? Well, thank God for His grace, that grace is free, that God welcomes you to ask for His grace. And so on a daily basis, grace me, Father God. Grace me in these areas of my life. He goes on to say, But I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, least when I've preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So when we start New Year's resolutions, how many of you have ever figured this out? That it's a lot easier to get started than it is to keep going. You just go to the gym early in the month here, and you'll see it's loaded, it's packed. But by the time the end of January quits... Most people have quit. Most people have given up. They're saying, I'm not going to do that anymore. And so again, make this a purpose in my life. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.14, he said, I press toward the goal. I press. So I challenge you this year to understand, you're going to have to press toward the things of God. You're going to have to press unlike any other time in your life. Now go with me to the book of John, chapter number 8. John chapter number 8. A year that I'm not going to turn back. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to run. I'm going to run the race that's set before me. John chapter 8, and we'll begin in verse 31. And it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Now, the key word in that to me is the word abide. And the word abide, the Amplified says, you hold fast. You live in accordance to the word. Actually, one of the best translations of it says that I'm to continue in the word. So he said, if you abide in the word, you are my disciples indeed. So right here, Jesus gives us one of the qualifications for becoming a disciple of Christ. A disciple of Christ is one who stays with the word. That lives by the word. Now here's the challenge for this year. Purpose in your heart. I'm going to live by the word. I'm going to continue in the word. Make it a habit to get into the word every day. Whether you're an early riser or you're a night owl. Make it a choice to say I'm going to get in the word. Verse 32. And you shall know. And the word know there means to perceive. It means to understand. It means to recognize. It means to progress. It means to attain a personal experience. So he says here, so if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Now the issue with that isn't necessarily verse 32. A lot of people quote verse 32. How many have ever heard people come up to you and say, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free? Verse 32 hinges on verse 31. If I don't do verse 31, I'll never get to verse 32. So we go back. If I abide into the word of God, 
Then I become his disciples. And then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So what happens is I start getting into the word of God. And you get into the word of God and God will get into you. And before long, not only have you got into the word, you begin to know the word. And because I begin to know the word, I identify with the word. Because I identify with the word, it begins to set me free. Uh, James 1.22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. You know, uh, in the first service, Matt took up the tithes and offerings. And he read in John 15. And let, let me read this real quick to you. This is John 15, verse 7. Listen to what this is. Very similar to what we just read. If you abide in me, Jesus, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And so... When I get to a place in my life where I live and I remain in Jesus and his word lives and remains in me, he said, then you can ask what you will and it will be done for you. So what would happen this year if we started this year and said, Lord, I desire for you to birth within me an appetite for the word of God. How many of you could, could use a stronger dose of the word of God this year? Man, I could. I'm like, Lord, take me deeper than I've ever been before. I, I welcome the Word of God. Turn with me to the book in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. Now, I, I'll say this as you're turning there. I believe it's very important for you to have a Bible. It's very important for you to carry a Bible with you. But it's even more important that you get into the Word of God. You've got to get into the Word of God and stay in it. You know... Uh, you, you find a Bible that's wore out because of use. And I'll show you a person that's living for God. I mean, just by the way a Bible looks. When you see someone has tore up a Bible, and I'm, I'm not saying just throwing it around. I'm saying you can see when, when their pages are all messed up. How many of you have ever had a favorite Bible? Man, this is my favorite Bible. I've had this Bible for years. I'm really hard on Bibles. But it was a couple years ago that my Bible... It started falling apart. And so I didn't want it to fall apart. So I snuck into the office one day and I got some Gorilla Glue. This is true. And so I opened up the bind. And, and if you look right here, you can see blobs of Gorilla Glue. That's what that is, okay? And so I was so proud of myself, I Gorilla Glued it together. And then I came in here on a Wednesday night and I stuck it right here in one of these chairs. And I put some other things down before I came back that night to preach at them. I thought, man, when I get back, my Bible's going to be all stuck together. Well, when I came back in here, I looked and I thought, oh, no. Did you guys know Gorilla Glue expands? It expanded right here on this chair. And so I put me into a mad dash and... I had to pray for forgiveness and everything. I don't know why I'm telling you that either, but just another grill. I love my Bible. And that's where you got to get where you, you love your Bible and you hold on to your Bible. Now, I ask you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 2. This is a passage about a, a man of God named Elijah and a, a younger man of God named Elisha. When Elijah came to the earth, it was very dark. When he came to minister here on the earth, it was a dark, dark place. And God didn't send Elijah to the earth to minister to do miracles only. God sent him to confront sin. 
Now, I can tell you this right now, as, as a pastor, it's not fun to confront sin. But I don't think we do people any good when we say, it's okay to live in sin. And so he was sent to confront sin, and when he confronted sin, God put miracles all around him where the people realized, this is the man of God. This guy's telling the truth. You know what I found out about sin? A lot of people don't want you to talk to them about sin. They don't want to be held accountable because of their sin. And again, I'm not saying from a perfect standpoint, I've sinned. I've fallen short of the glory of God, but I thank God that I had people in my life that would tell me, you're doing wrong. That's not right. Don't do those things. And they did it out of a motive of love. How many of you thank God you've had people in your life who would be honest enough to tell you the truth? I thank God for that. And so right here, Elijah was very dependable on God. And, and his life, his greatness begins with the same opportunity that me and you have. And you know what that is? To know God. To have a personal relationship with God. That's his desire for every one of us. So we pick up here in, in 2 Kings 2, verse number 1. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went to Elijah, Elisha from Gilgal. Now understand, Elijah's on his last days here on earth. He's getting ready to go to heaven, okay? And Elijah is the mentor. Elisha is the mentoree. Verse 2. Then Elijah said to Elijah, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elijah said, As the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now, Elisha began to see the power of God in Elijah's life. And you know what he said? I'm going to do everything in my might to hang around that guy. He's a godly influencer. Verse 3. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elijah and they said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elijah, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said again, as the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. So you begin to see he's committed. He said, I'm with you, dude. I'm not going anywhere. Verse number five. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elijah and they said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me on the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on the third time. Three times the same thing occurs. And on every occasion, Elisha responds to Elijah the same way. Again, Elijah didn't say, listen, buddy, you got to follow me. No, Elijah said, I see the things of God in his life, and that's what I desire. Verse number 7. And so the 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle... And the mantle there was as nothing more than a cloak. It was a symbol of the authority of God. And so as Elijah took his mantle, he rolled it up, struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so the two of them crossed over on the dry ground. Now here's the thought I have. Most people in our society would say, you know what? I really need one of those mantles. I really need one of those cloaks. 
If I could just have a mantle like that, my life would be so much easier. My life would be so much smoother. And there's people that will say things, if I could just have the mantle of Oral Roberts, if I could just have the mantle of Joyce Meyer, if I could just have that mantle. But really, when you look at this, that becomes nothing more than a shortcut. That says, I don't want to pursue God. I don't want to seek God. I don't want to go after the things of God. I just want them given to me. In other words, I don't want to climb the ladder to success. I would rather get on the elevator and go up immediately. But how many of us know that's not how the kingdom of God operates? God gives every one of us the same amount of time every day And what we choose to do with it determines whether we go towards the things of God or we go away from the things of God. Verse number 9. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha. Now now pay real close attention to what I just said. Elijah said to Elisha. Elisha didn't say to Elijah. Elijah said to Elijah. Ask what may I do for you before I am taken away from you. So the mentor says to the mentoree, ask me what I can do for you. He's telling him, I'm I'm giving you the opportunity. And so Elisha says, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Now note right there, he doesn't ask him for the mantle. He said, I want that mantle. No, he said, I desire for a double portion of the spirit that is upon you to be upon me. So what you see here is Elisha saw in the mentor Elijah, he said, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of the power of God. And that's what I desire is the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God. You know, in Zechariah 2, it says it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the spirit of God. See, that's one of the keys for every one of us. To get filled with the Spirit of God. To have God Himself come on the inside of me. And you say, is that biblical? Yes, it's biblical all through the Bible. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. Actually, Luke 11 says that if you ask of the Holy Spirit, the Father will give Him to you. So we go back here just a little bit and think about this with the Lord Jesus. This is Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. So we see the man of God, Elijah, he was filled with the Spirit of God. Our Lord and Savior Jesus was filled with the Spirit of God. And before Elijah leaves, Elisha asks him, I want what you had. Now think about this, before the Lord Jesus left this earth... He said to his disciples in Acts 1 verse 4, he said, I command you to wait for the promise of the Father. Verse 5, he said, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So it's interesting, one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples, he said, boys, you got to get the Holy Spirit. And it's like in the sense here with Elijah and Elisha, you got to get the Holy Spirit. 
You got to get him on the inside. You got to get that empowerment. You got to get a dose of the Holy Ghost on a daily basis. And when I talk about the Holy Spirit, so many people have a wrong concept of him. He's weird. The Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. The Holy Spirit doesn't do weird things. People do weird things. And many times the Holy Spirit has gotten a bad rap because of people. But it's over and over in the New Testament. I encourage you the next few days, few weeks, read the book of Acts and you'll see the thing that changed all those men, those 12 disciples, many of them were fishermen, be filled with the Spirit of God. Pastor, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And I desire more of Him every day in my life. Now, back to, to 2 Kings. So he said to him, you've asked a hard thing. He didn't say, rebuke him or say, that's not going to happen. He didn't laugh at him. He said, that's a hard thing. Why did he say that's a hard thing? Because it wasn't Elijah's power or authority to give away. It's God's. And we keep reading, he said, nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and they talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. That's going to be a great movie in heaven to watch that happen. How would you like to have been there that day and sitting there talking to Elijah? And all of a sudden, he does a Peter Pan on you. Do you know there was one other man up to this time that that had happened? The man Enoch in in Genesis 5. The same thing happened. But even the Lord Jesus in Acts 1, he left earth by ascending into heaven. Here's a thought for you today. Enoch and Elijah never did taste physical death. They left this earth without ever dying. And if you and me are still around when Jesus comes back the second time, we won't ever experience physical death. Oh, happy day. You ought to be excited about that. What a day of rejoicing that will be. And me personally, I tell you, I believe in my lifetime I'm going to see the return of Jesus Christ. I personally believe that. And just some of the things to throw in there, when a nations or a nation or nation start messing around with Israel, you better get ready. God takes notice. And if you didn't pay attention to a week or so ago, when the UN resolution went after Israel to give part of Jerusalem to the Palestinians, that's not God's will, okay? And you need to pray for America when we make stupid decisions like that. To pray for our leaders to say, Don't mess with them because remember the Lord said in Genesis 12, I'll bless those who bless them and I'll curse those who curse them. We need to bless Israel. That's a different story. I got off track here. Back to the story. Verse 12. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, My father, my father, the charity of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into two pieces. A sign of mourning, a sign of of distress Where he said, man, my mentor, my hero here on earth, the guy who I was with all these days, he's gone. 
But the story really gets good. Verse 13. So also he took up the mantle or the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him. And he went back and he stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. And he struck the water and he said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when it also struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over and it showed the authority of God was now on his life. And it goes on to say in verse 15, Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to rest on every one of us. So I encourage you. Start desiring the Holy Spirit to come into your life. A simple prayer every day is, Father God, I ask you, fill me with your spirit. Let let my cup run over with the things of God. I want more of you, Lord, than I've never had. I got one more passage. Go with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Hebrews, chapter 12. Again, guys, it's not about a quick fix. It's not about shortcuts. It's just about running the race for God on a daily basis. Hebrews, chapter 12. And we'll end with this, verse number 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What this is talking about, the great cloud of witnesses that we're surrounded by. These are the men and women of faith. The men and women that gave testimony that are now in heaven. And they're checking us out. They're cheering us on. He goes on to say. Let us lay aside every weight. Now what he's talking about here with the weight is anything within our lives that hinders our progress with God. So I begin to think of areas in every one of our lives that have the the ability to hinder my progress with God, which be a, a weight. How many of you are running with people that you know you shouldn't? Oftentimes, it's one of the strategies of the devil. When he gets people around you that don't have a heart for the things of God, they're going to constantly pull you away from God. That can be a weight. Another weight that I see big in, in our society, and I'm saying this toward myself, is a thing called busy. How many of you would think about this when you ask people, how are you doing today? They say, oh, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. It's busy because of our own activities. Another trick of the devil, I believe, he keeps us so busy with things that I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to be in church. I don't have time. Another trick. Now, just just let that sit on you here for a minute. Are any of these obstacles in your life that are a weight that are keeping you from progressing? How about this? The TV. Food, entertainment, your cell phone. Just yesterday, I saw the statistic that the average American is on social media 2.6 hours every day. But I don't have time to pray. And I don't have time to go to the Word. And you're saying, Pastor, that hurt. That one really hurt. Again, I believe that there's so many things within our lives that are weights that keep us from the things of God like God desires. Keep reading here with me. 
And let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And the sin which so easily entangles us. The sin which easily it clings to us. Again, I'm not saying this from a man who's never sinned. I've sinned. I've fallen short of the glory of God numerous times. But is there pockets of sin in your life right now? If I heed what he said there, these weights and these sin, they try to get us off. Now, I want to quote here. I'm going to read it to you. This is James chapter 4, verse 17. For, For my own life, this is vastly becoming a scripture for for this year for my life. Listen to what James 4.17 says. It says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Now listen what that means. It literally means sin is not only actively committing evil deeds, But it is also passively failing to do what you know God wants you to do. So when I know in my heart that God wants me to do a certain thing, and I choose not to do it, it has now become sin. And he said sin so easily ensnares us or entangles us. Just a warning to start the year with these. Back to to chapter 12 verse 1. And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Let us run with persistence. Looking unto Jesus. That that word looking means undivided attention. The Hebrew word for it is having eyes for only Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. What would happen if I begin to live this way this whole year? See, let me take you back to the, the four main points. The first one there in 1 Corinthians read was run the race. Run the race this year. The second area was that I've got to get into the Word of God. The third area was be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the fourth one we just read, we've got to eliminate the weights and the sin. And we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, looking to Him. And so I, I believe this year He wants us to run the race, but also keep up the pace. And as I look back at at Elijah and Elisha's life, they weren't called to be mediocre. They weren't called to be average. And neither are me and you. Let me ask you right now, spiritually, are you satisfied? And I pray you're never satisfied spiritually. Because anytime we get satisfied spiritually, we go into an area called lukewarm. I, I want God to stir up the things of heaven within me today. I want God to begin to move in my life again. I believe God wants to do the very things that he's done in the Bible. So here just for a second. Let me give you some little nuggets that you can write down that I believe will really help you right now. One is this. The nose of a bulldog is slanted backwards so he continue to breathe without ever letting go. 2017. Have bulldog faith. You clamp down on that and you don't let go. You stick with it. Persistence is a habit. But so is quitting. Be a postage stamp believer. Stick to it. Until you arrive. 
How about this? This is a year to be decisive. In the areas I can be decisive, it'll be a year that I give up or I get up. I live discouraged or I live determined. I regress or I progress. See, it's a choice for every one of us in this room. What am I going to do with this year? Again, it's a brand new year, but the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So what would happen if we begin to purpose in our heart right here early in the year to say, Lord, I'm going to live with a passion. I'm going to live with my heart. I'm going to live to the best of my abilities. Why don't you stand up here with me? God's a good God. And I I hope this challenges you in a godly way today to say, I want to make some differences. As you're you're standing there, I've had several times on the last month where the Lord really began to put stuff on my heart. I just want you to bow your head and let me speak some of these things out. And some of them I had to write because they've been very lengthy. But he said this, that in 2016 to many it was a year of tears and fears and to some it seemed like the Holy Spirit disappeared it was a year of failing of year of wailing a year it seemed like at my times my life was sailing away from the things of God but in 2017 I give you a fresh chart a fresh command that it will be a year to prevail but it will be a year that you will have to travail it will be a year to come upon your knees it will be a year to call out on the blood and as you call out on the blood it will release a great flood of my mercy and my grace 2017 will be a year to stay on that knee and begin to plead over and over the blood of Jesus. A year to live by great faith because 2017 will be a year of great Goliath challenges but also of great Goliath victories. So purpose in your heart to serve me. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com